we are going to start this episode off with a little catch-up segment because you know what? It has felt like a while since we've caught up on a few things. Nothing of real, like, actual importance in my life necessarily, like no major updates other than maybe one pertaining to our pregnancy. But you know what? I really used to love sharing like what I'm reading, what I'm watching, and I would get people connecting with me in the DMs about these segments and sometimes asking like, oh, what are you reading? I miss hearing that part of the podcast and I want to bring it back. So it's not going to be very long. We're going to keep it brief, but I want to share a few things that I've been enjoying, things that I've been reflecting on at the beginning of every episode. I'm going to try to do that. So I'm going to try not to forget. The first thing obviously is the pregnancy update. I feel like I haven't really shared anything about the pregnancy since I did that episode, but as of today, I'm recording this episode on October 18th. I am 22 weeks, so two weeks ago I hit the halfway mark, and I'm feeling really good. And to be honest, like this is the best I've felt throughout the entire pregnancy. I have a lot of energy. I am not feeling sick at all anymore. In fact, that's been kind of subsided for a while now. My appetite's good. I don't have any aversions. I wouldn't say that I have any cravings at all. That's one thing about pregnancy that I haven't really experienced yet if I ever will. But yeah, I'm just feeling really good and I'm grateful for feeling good. I talked to my midwife about it and she was like, yeah, just like enjoy this period of time because I'm not really at the point physically where I'm like uncomfortable yet. I feel like that will come in the future, but I'm just enjoying feeling really good in my body right now, feeling healthy, feeling pretty level mentally. And we did go to our anatomy scan ultrasound a couple of weeks ago, which was really just really an interesting experience because we got to see like the actual baby for the first time. Prior to that, the first ultrasound that we did it, I believe it was eight weeks. It did not really look like a baby at all. In fact, she was like, there's your baby. And I'm like, pardon? Um, So it was nice to see like an actual fully developed baby. It was like a very weird experience because I feel like mentally I haven't really like connected the dots that I am pregnant. It's like not real to me yet. You think it would be, but it's not. And maybe it never will be until I actually give birth. And thinking about giving birth is just like throwing me off. I'm like, what? Like I it's just not connecting. And like, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with feeling pretty neutral about the experience overall. But, you know, because I had kind of a rough first trimester, I felt like pretty much just awful all the time physically. Like I was very nauseous. I had no appetite, etc. I'm just so grateful. It makes you feel so grateful for when you're like out of that phase. Okay, I haven't really shared any of the books that I've been reading. Now, let me preface this by saying I went through kind of like a weird, unhinged main character phase. I It kind of started off when I read Big Swiss, and I'm pretty sure I shared that book on this podcast. And then what I kind of do when I'm reading books is I'll look on Goodreads, and I'll look at the recommendations that are similar to those books, and I'll kind of just go from there. So something that came up randomly I knew nothing about it was this book called A Certain Hunger. I won't really get into what it's about because it's disturbing and like not for the faint of heart and yeah I just 
it's disturbing. That's the only way I can put it. But I really enjoyed it. I don't know why. It just like hooked me in a certain way. And so I read that. And then after that, I read this book called Mother Things, I believe it was called. Also sort of similar with sort of an unhinged female character or female lead written from her perspective. And that one I didn't love as much. It was like a little bit too, I don't know. It just wasn't, it wasn't resonating. I won't lie. Um, But then I, again, through just like looking at different lists and seeing similar books, I don't have any former history or knowledge of any of these books, but I found I Who Have Never Known Men. I don't really know why it was on any of these lists because it's not really similar other than the fact that it's a female narrator and um, also kind of dark. And I do think like I'm really enjoying this book. It's basically about a young woman who spends most of her life in captivity. She doesn't know why. I don't know if she ever does figure it out. But what I will say is like, I could probably go for something a bit more uplifting next. I also mentioned this in last week's episode. I am kind of at the same time reading the creative act. So sometimes I'll have like a nonfiction and a fiction on the go. And I find that like just trying to power through a nonfiction lately hasn't really been vibing with me. So I haven't really been trying to do that at all. Um, But yeah, I'm kind of reading both of those at the same time. What I'm watching now, this is a judgment free zone. I have mentioned before, I'm a fan of reality TV and I have no shame about that. So I watched season five of Love is Blind. We're not going to get into it. Let's just say overall was not impressed, did not love the outcomes, didn't love the two couples that made it all the way through. Um, and it gen- generally, excuse me, just felt like a bit of a flop of a season. So there's that. Did I binge the whole thing though? Yes. Could I have stopped halfway through? because I could already tell that it was not going in a direction that I was like interested in. Yes, but I didn't do that. And I am going to be starting The Golden Bachelor. I've heard really good things about this season. I don't usually watch The Bachelor, but I've heard that this one is really different. And so I really, really wanted to, I've never done this before, but I wanted to host like a viewing party and try to do it on a weekly basis. So we're doing that for the first time tonight. We are very behind. I think there's probably like three or four episodes out already, maybe more. I don't know. And then the last thing, Jamie and I started the fall of the House of Usher. I believe that's what it's called. And I really, really liked season one of Haunting of Hill House. So I had high hopes. And I will say, you guys probably saw me post this on Instagram. At first, I was very confused. I was like, what is this show? It's not good question mark, question mark. I just felt like the acting was really weird. Um, It took me a couple episodes to get into it, but a lot of you said on Instagram that it was worth it. And I may have a change of heart. I'm only on episode three, so to be determined, but I will keep you posted on that one. The topic of today is the recent decision that Jamie and I made, Jamie is my partner if you're new here, to move back to my hometown little bit more context we lived in Vancouver for a number of years together before that I lived in Ottawa and I grew up in a small town in Ontario so the cities that 
I was living in prior to moving home were quite far away from my family and just far away from my hometown in general. And that will be relevant as we navigate this conversation. Now, we have talked before in a Coffee Chats episode from a few months ago about moving into a new city, but from a slightly different lens. That episode was more about moving somewhere unfamiliar and everything that comes along with that, like making new friends, etc. So this episode is actually going to be sort of the opposite, which is moving back to an environment you are most likely already very familiar with and maybe in some unpleasant ways. Now, disclaimer, before we get into it, this is not by any means intended to convince you to move back to your hometown. I think through conversations with other people, through personal experience, that isn't the case for everyone. Not everyone wants to do that. Many people don't want to do that. Many people are very happy not doing that. And for a long time, I was too. But we're going to kind of talk in this episode about when that started to shift very unexpectedly because I was one of those people that was like, I will never move back to my hometown. Like literally since I left, I have been saying that. And it's interesting because as I started to think about this episode and have conversations with you guys and just people in my personal life, it seems that there's a relatively universal experience to sort of have a complicated relationship, we'll say, with the environment that you grew up in, seemingly regardless of that, where that was. I kind of thought like it was a small town thing because that was my experience and I feel like to some extent it's natural to desire exposure to a bigger city, but it doesn't seem to be exclusive to having grown up in a small town. It seems like there are a lot of people who, regardless of where they grew up, have this sort of complicated relationship with that environment. And we're going to talk about why that is from just my perspective, as always, and knowing throughout this episode that that isn't necessarily the case for everyone. I know people who legitimately don't feel that way about where they grew up. They have a really healthy, positive, like normal relationship with their hometown. They love where they grew up. Maybe they're still there. So again, I'm not implying that this is the case for everyone. I would say for me, I find myself sort of in an interesting place because I would say I'm somewhere in the middle now. I can still appreciate the complicated feelings I have about where I grew up while actually being in a phase of life where I'm beginning to look at it through a new lens and even sort of appreciating it in a new way. And obviously, I have like a vested interest in sort of unpacking and shifting this relationship because I live here now. And so I thought it'd be interesting to kind of unpack, have a conversation, and reflect because I know a lot of people in this space, in this community, are experiencing similar feelings, maybe at similar decision points, or maybe in the future. So, you know, as always, I just think it's really interesting to collectively reflect on this without any intention 
again, of convincing you one way or the other. So the layout of this episode is basically we'll discuss how and why I believe I came to have this somewhat complicated relationship with my hometown and then, you know, how I came to the decision to move back, how that began to shift and why that began to shift and then essentially I'll share how that's been going so far. Also, side note, I got a piece of feedback that says that I say if that makes sense too much. And I haven't listened back to any of the episodes, but I'm not surprised to hear that. Apparently, it's very distracting. This is only one person, but yeah, I'm going to try not to do that so much. So anyhow, let's talk about why and how I believe my relationship with my hometown and to be more specific, that complicated feeling that I have about my hometown began to take shape. And I think this has many layers. The first that I'll start with pertains to autonomy. Now, if I were to consider when the desire to move away from home began to sink in, it was around that time that I began to crave more autonomy. And with the opportunity to go to university, having more autonomy became a real possibility for kind of the first time. Not just that physical distance, but also the opportunity to have autonomy in the way that I was thinking, in my beliefs. And, you know, although I wasn't really consciously aware of it at the time, I think a huge source of angst for me that was very prominent in my teens was this like deep feeling of incongruence with some of the beliefs and narratives that I was surrounded by, as well as that deep desire for autonomy, which I feel is a very natural desire. I think that when we're growing up, understandably so, we are used to someone else making the majority of our decisions for us, you know, and we can experience that to varying degrees, whether that's teachers, caretakers, or even, as we'll discuss, if you were raised in a church environment, maybe the ideals of that faith community. So I think, at least in my case, when I began to get a taste of that autonomy and independence, I feel like I began to resent anything that kind of limited it. I really felt a lot of resistance in those years And still to this day, I feel this same resistance, maybe not quite as heavily, but I do still feel it, to being told how to think, what decisions to make, what the best life path is, what the most practical job is, what to wear, what to eat, or really anything that feels like it takes the autonomy and the decision making out of my hands. So, you know, naturally... I think the desire then becomes to distance yourself from the environment that reminds you of a time where you didn't have that same sense of autonomy or independence. And by the way, this isn't like a criticism of the environments that we were raised in to say like, how dare I not have this sense of autonomy? I think it's natural that when you're younger, your parents, your caretakers, your teachers are kind of like having a bigger influence 
than when you get older. But I think what I'm trying to say is there can be this like natural desire then to move away from that environment, especially when you get a taste of autonomy and you really like it. And I think this is especially true in specifically like our 20s, because maybe we're still getting comfortable with and almost feeling sort of protective of our autonomy. I know that is the case with me for sure still, but I'm starting to kind of not feel as deep a resistance to those environments and those relationships, for example, that were formerly more, let's say, influential. So talking about, you know, caretaker-child relationships, I know this is such a spectrum of the degree to which we feel that loss of autonomy when we're in proximity to or even maybe living with our caretakers. I know many of us moved back home during the pandemic and, you know, people felt that loss of autonomy to varying degrees. Now, I will be honest in saying I feel quite lucky that since I went to university, my parents have really respected my autonomy. They trust and support my decisions. And very rarely does it happen that they insert themselves in a way that feels suffocating. Like I truly feel respected as an adult. And that makes me want to spend time around my parents because there's not that loss of autonomy. And I don't feel, you know, stifled by their perspective, their opinions, and their expectations of me. You know, of course, things do come up from time to time, but I feel like the majority of our relationship is very, like, adult to adult, if that makes sense. But it surprises me to hear that with a lot of friends even, this isn't necessarily the case. Like, I have friends who will tell me stories about the way they feel judged constantly, the way that their parents insert themselves into life decisions and it surprises me to hear that but I know that that's a common dynamic and what I've realized is like I think we assume we'll outgrow that dynamic over time of like parent child parent telling child what to do how to live how to make decisions etc but for many that stage of evolution kind of I think is challenging and it can be hard to break that cycle without a willingness on both sides to evolve away from it. And listen, like for some people it works. For some people that type of dynamic is really supportive of the relationship and whatever dynamic works for each individual is totally fine. So it's not about judging that dynamic. But I know having spoken with a lot of people, having seen some of the submissions, that sometimes that feeling of a loss of autonomy or a loss of independence, not even necessarily just with caretakers or parents, it could be even with just generally the narratives circulating in that environment or feeling judged for certain life decisions when going back to a certain environment. And Going back to the parents thing, I know that this is really distance some of my friends from their parents because they just feel stifled or like they can't make their decisions independently. So naturally, it's easier to have that physical distance. And another thing that interestingly came up a lot in the submissions that again pertains to autonomy is 
people saying kind of that they aren't aligned to the environment they grew up in, whether that's politically or maybe they grew up in a religious household or community and have since moved away from that, which I will say doesn't necessarily mean that there will be conflict if your autonomy is respected. So for example, Jamie grew up in a Christian household and his parents are still very Christian and he is not and we are not. And it really isn't something that causes issues, at least not that I've ever witnessed, because everyone is just sort of respectful of each other's choices and autonomy, even though we have very different lifestyles and perspectives in some ways. And it's something that definitely worried me going into the relationship because I didn't want to feel judged or like my life decisions weren't valid, etc. Again, I didn't want to have that loss of autonomy and respect for my way of living. But, you know, coexisting with people that have different faiths and different perspectives is something that I've experienced can be harmonious if there's respect on both sides. But like I said, this is a theme that has come up more than once in the submissions. And I know that that's not always necessarily the case which can be frustrating. I have another friend who was raised very, very Christian. She has since left that faith, but her whole family and siblings are still very involved, very Christian. And this is a friend that I met in Vancouver, but she also grew up in Ontario like me. And I kind of noticed like she barely ever goes home. She doesn't visit over holidays. So I asked why, or maybe that came up in conversation. And she explained that, you know, she doesn't have any like big fundamental issues with her family, but that it's just really difficult to go home and be constantly surrounded by narratives and perspectives she's intentionally evolved away from, specifically because those narratives and perspectives are kind of seemingly forced on her. Like it's one thing to be surrounded by people who have different beliefs, which is a very common life experience, but it's another to feel constantly judged and like your life decisions aren't respected. So she kind of described that she's quite often encouraged to come back to Christianity and even like her parents will buy her partner books who is not religious at all that are about like converting to Christianity even though she specifically asked them not to. And it may seem like a very small thing because they're just trying to share their faith that they're very passionate about. But I think to her, it feels like a loss of autonomy and it feels like your way of thinking and living independently aren't valued or respected. And I think that experience, at least for me, can remind us of a time where we didn't really feel connected to our autonomy and everything felt outside of our control, which I know can be very difficult to experience. One of the best parts for me about adulthood is like getting to do what you want to do, getting to think how you want to think. It's like, you know, when I was a kid, that was my dream to just be independent and not like so much so I know there's the flip side of that like independent to the point of not being able to connect with other people we're not talking about that but just being able to exercise that autonomy and to feel like your choices are at the very least respected by other people 
and especially those closest to you, I think that is a really nice feeling to have and it feels like it honors your sense of autonomy. The way I see it, forming your own identity independent of the narratives, beliefs, and ideals you were raised on is important, but it can be daunting. And I think it can take work to unlearn things from childhood, things that are so deeply ingrained, especially something like religion, that sort of presents us with this set of beliefs and a moral code essentially to live by. And I know in my case, although I was raised Catholic, I never actually really connected with it deeply. And although I do feel some semblance of Catholic guilt, it's really not a prominent part of my experience, but it's also made easier by the fact that my immediate family no longer really belongs to that path. But I feel like if even you personally have really internalized certain aspects of a faith that you've since moved away from or, you know, some belief that you inherited growing up and you've now wanted to move away from that, it can take effort. And so it can be difficult to be brought back to that place that you've specifically and intentionally made an effort to move away from. I think we all find transitions away from specific beliefs or identities to be difficult in varying degrees. For me, I struggled less with that transition away from Catholicism and more with specific narratives and belief systems about, quote, the ideal life path. And I'd be even more specific and say narratives and belief systems around external success and career. Now, we won't get into it too deeply because that's not really what this episode is about, although I've talked about it many times here before. But I remember specifically struggling with this when I was making the decision to quit my job, my first job at a university, that in my mind represented that kind of pinnacle of success. And I was trying to sort of unlearn what that idea meant because I didn't feel in alignment with that idea that I had been raised on. And that felt so, you know, common, not even just in the environment I was growing up in. In other words, the narratives that I was exposed to in early life as it related to career just depressed me, didn't make me feel excited. And so constantly coming into contact with those often fear-based narratives felt very frustrating. And I knew within me, I possess the ability to think independently and shift my beliefs and narratives about what I defined success as, what I felt was possible for me in a career path. But I feel like being in that familiar environment where those beliefs initially formed and were very prominent, I constantly had to defend that. And it didn't feel initially like there was a lot of room for the type of path that I was drawn to which was more creatively inclined and generally defied a lot of the narratives I was raised on as it relates to success. Now, to summarize, it's not to say that we cannot closely coexist amongst people who have different beliefs, religion, or even politics. In fact, I think we must find a way to do it peacefully, but it's that experience of having your 
independence and autonomy interfered with or your decisions being constantly judged or policed because you feel differently from someone else because you are in a different faith or whatever it may be I think that's what feels stifling and understandably we may want to move away from that feeling. The next factor that contributes to the relationship I have had with my hometown, it's a little bit more obvious and it's the memories. And I actually have a lot of really, really good memories from my hometown and growing up, but it's interesting how the more difficult or even painful memories associated with this environment seem to stand out a lot more. And you know, there are two layers of this for me. Number one is memories associated with other people. And then number two is memories associated with a certain past version of me. Now, the first, again, is pretty obvious. Having that potential risk of running into someone from your past that represents a painful, embarrassing, or maybe even traumatic experience. And I don't know what it's like to have grown up in a bigger city, but I know that this is definitely true for having grown up in a smaller town. And I don't have it quite as bad now, but I just remember for a certain period, you know, I'd come home for Christmas and I would literally be on edge and totally anxious when I'd be walking around my hometown and just horrified to bump into specific people that I you know, had looked forward to never seeing again. And this really plagued me for a long time. Like I was generally very anxious going home. But what I began to realize is that although it had been so long since these memories occurred, this person or these people still held some power over me. And it became a priority for me to build that inner sense of safety that couldn't be so easily influenced by other people, you know, and not have to feel like I always have to avoid people and avoid those feelings. And it's not to say that the feelings aren't valid and to say that those memories aren't painful. I just didn't want those people to have that power over me. And so in addition to that, the other layer to this, you know, part of the relationship which is memories which I think is maybe a little bit more complicated and difficult to admit maybe is having to interact with the memories associated with old versions of me now as we all know I celebrate and love to experience and witness you know transformation evolution change within myself within others And it's brought me so much joy and fulfillment to have that agency in creating new versions of myself and to feel myself choosing and making new choices and evolving away from old beliefs or ways of being. It's truly one of the things that makes me most excited in life is remembering that I have that choice. And I think that living away from the environment that I grew up in for so long and during this period of transformation... I kind of for a long time became accustomed to not having to really think about or reflect on former versions of myself. For whatever reason, and again, this came up a lot in the submissions, things can kind of come rushing back when we're in those old environments. And 
in some ways it can be easier to ignore. It's like when we've evolved so much, we don't want to go backwards. We don't want to be reminded of those versions of ourselves that maybe we've intentionally moved away from in the same way that we don't want to be constantly reminded of old belief systems or whatever it may be. Especially, I think, because we're not really used to seeing that evolution of thought and perspectives and beliefs happening in real time. And it doesn't really feel safe to do that. It doesn't feel safe in the current kind of landscape, at least not to me, to be seen evolving, to say, hey, I changed my mind, or, you know, that's not who I am anymore, or my opinion on that has changed, etc. And so instead of being comfortable with all of the former versions of us, all of the evolutions of us, to not necessarily feel like we have to love every single one and appreciate all of our former actions, but to just accept that they all got us to where we currently are. And I feel like that is a difficult thing to come into contact with. And again, I think partly because it doesn't feel safe to be seen evolving and to change our mind about things and to just be a different person. And it feels uncomfortable to be seen as an old version of ourselves. I think it feels easier initially to just close ourselves off from those former chapters. And for me, like the easiest way I knew how to do that was to physically remove myself from those environments where I had experienced former versions of myself. Okay, so with these factors in mind, you may be wondering how we actually came to the decision to move back to my hometown and some of the ways that this relationship has transformed. Now, if you've been a longtime listener, you know that one of the things that I've struggled with for a long time has been the distance from my family. I had been living far away from my family for about 10 years, and I feel like I was always going back and forth in my mind about you know, what the right decision was, where I should live, whether I should be closer to them. And it was just like a constant thought process in my mind. And I won't lie, it wasn't an easy decision. And I don't think that there is a right decision ever. I just think that they're all neutral and they have different pros and cons. And I absolutely loved living in Vancouver So I'll be honest in saying that, you know, where I moved back to in Ontario doesn't have a lot of the lifestyle factors that drew me to living in Vancouver and that I came to really enjoy. And I still do get sort of a pang when I see friends of mine in Vancouver, like going out and about, enjoying certain activities that I no longer really have access to living here. And I probably always will. But You know, even before getting pregnant, I just had this constant nagging feeling of loneliness that I couldn't really put my finger on and just general sadness surrounding not having any family close by. Someone from my family would come to visit for like a week or so and I'd just be absolutely devastated when they left. And every time I went through that, I would ask myself like, 
okay, is this just the way that it's always going to be to just see the people that I love most for these short periods of time and then have long stretches in between without seeing them? And I think I did value for so long that independence and I really wanted to have that independence, but I never really stopped to question whether it had to be this way and whether that was what I wanted. So then, as you know, we found out we were pregnant and kind of went back and forth with some different options, which initially actually didn't include moving home. But interestingly, every night I'd go to bed with this gut feeling of sadness that the options we were considering weren't bringing us any closer to either my family or Jamie's family. So that conversation really evolved from me eventually just putting it on the table as an option, which we hadn't ever done before, to eventually coming to that decision. And one thing I was really conscious of throughout this process was not wanting to sway the decision either way. Literally not even wanting to say, like, this is what I want. Because, yes, it would involve me moving back home, but not Jamie, if that makes sense, because he's from England. So we knew that one way or another, the decision would involve either neither of our families or one of our families. And I didn't want to heavily sway that decision. I just didn't ever want to be in a place where I had strongly swayed the decision and for that to like later be resented, although I'm sure it wouldn't have been. I just wanted it to feel like a completely equal decision. And one thing I found interesting going back to having a complicated relationship with your hometown that is quite often very personal is throughout this process, I realized that Jamie's perception of my hometown was actually quite different from mine. And noticing that that's because he doesn't have the same history with it. And the same goes for me and his hometown. I remember when he described his hometown to me and spoke about it in a certain way that like I was expecting something just like not good. Like I wasn't expecting anything and I love where he grew up and it's sort of similar with me. Like I feel like for a period I didn't really speak highly of where I grew up and then he came to visit it and he loves it and his parents love it and people who don't really have that same relationship love it. So I just think that's kind of interesting. Anyways, kind of a side note. So Anyhow, through a conversation, a series of conversations, I should say, we came to that conclusion and it all actually then from there happened kind of fast. I think because we knew with the pregnancy, we wanted to get settled into a place before the baby came. And one thing I didn't really mention yet about this decision that of course was a factor was cost. We pretty much immediately knew the city that we were living in wouldn't be an option for us for the type of lifestyle that we wanted to be able to afford, specifically wanting a bigger space. And the reason that that was really important to us is because we recognized, okay, if we're going to stay in this place where both of our parents or our families have to fly to get to, we want them to have 
space to stay. Like that would be the ideal scenario. And we want space for our family. We want a backyard. We want a front yard. And that just wasn't accessible whatsoever to us at that time in Vancouver. And so factor the factor of cost, of course, is relevant to the conversation as well. But I would say that was sort of secondary. It was, of course, very important. But the main thing was like, from a values perspective, what are we placing value on? Is it having access to outdoors, which is very important to both of us, but so is family. And especially in this chapter, it just became so much more important and also realizing that we wanted and needed support in this next chapter of our lives. Okay, so we're at the point where we've decided to move back. And what I will say is we're very early days having moved back. I've been here for probably just over two months. And we've been in our own space because we initially were staying with my parents while we were looking for a house. But we've been in our own space for around three weeks. And so I kind of want to share how that's been going so far. And again, just to reiterate, in no way am I sharing this to convince you one way or another. I think for many people, it does make sense to not go back. And there are so many reasons why that is. It's not just, you know, complicated feelings with your hometown. It could be job opportunities or so many different factors. So there's really no right or wrong answer here. And I really, really want to avoid framing this in such a way where I'm trying to like convince you because I'm not, I'm just sharing my experience. And so being 100% honest, so far this move has been like so, just so amazing. I feel a sense of calm and relaxation and safety that I didn't know I was missing. I feel like, you know, when you're in your early 20s and you know, it's all about independence. And I certainly don't regret that period of time whatsoever. I think it has made me who I am. And I really valued that time. But I also really value being close with my family and maintaining those relationships and seeing them. And I recognize that that sense of normalcy that I have with my family again, you know, being able to pop by casually, eat dinner together, it has greatly reduced that underlying feeling of loneliness that I've had for a long time. And don't get me wrong, I won't sugarcoat it. I do still have that pang of nostalgia and kind of like that FOMO feeling of now being in a small town and looking back at the opportunities of living in a big city and, you know, the anonymity and going to restaurants and going to hikes. And I see my friends doing that, like I said, and I do still feel that pang and maybe I always will. But that hasn't overpowered the other factors and the sense of safety that I feel and the enjoyment that I'm having in this new chapter. What I've told myself is that I don't have to think of things in such black and white terms and in such extremes. Just because I moved away from a certain city and I moved back to my hometown doesn't mean that that city all of a sudden isn't available to me in the future if I change my mind. You know, it's always available to visit. 
But it was basically making the decision between do I want to visit this place or do I want to visit my family? Like, which one am I building my lifestyle around? A few people also in the comments mentioned, you know, going through this same experience, moving back to their hometown and experiencing it in a new way, you know, allowing yourself to recognize that you have evolved and so has the place and so have the people. It's not been sitting here stagnant while you've been off doing your thing. It has been evolving as well and so have the people and it's possible for you to experience it in a new way, perhaps. That's what I've experienced. And just a couple other thoughts on this whole topic. One is pertaining to the point I just made, which is for a long time, I, you know, I moved away from home and I kind of felt like there was this narrative about people who stayed in their hometown and there is this assumption that they aren't evolving, which they are. Everyone is. And so I just don't think it's helpful to in any way feel superior to people who that's their life path. Again, if we're going back to coexisting with people who make different decisions and respecting autonomy and not being judgmental, I think that, you know, we can respect the fact that everyone is evolving just like we are. And it doesn't mean that you're going back to the way it was when you were there. And another thing that kind of goes along with it is allowing like interactions with people that you previously knew growing up, growing up, excuse me, to be like new interactions. So in the same way, I really want people to appreciate that I've evolved. I should give them the same respect and the same understanding and allow interactions with them to be fresh and not to bring in former versions of them because they know how that feels and it doesn't feel good. So I should reciprocate that. And something that I've been practicing has been, and I know I'm not the only one who experiences this because I've talked to people about it. So you know when you like dread running into people and you're like, oh, I'm going to avoid them. I'm not going to talk to them. I've kind of just been like challenging that because I live here now and I'm going to have to interact with certain people. So I've been challenging myself to just like use the most recent interaction to be the foundation of how I will perceive that person. So if, for example, maybe I had like a weird feeling towards someone, not necessarily that they did anything to me, but maybe I'm just like, ugh, I don't want to interact with you. Well, if I interact with that person and it's pleasant since I've moved back, I'll just allow it to be pleasant moving forward because there's a lot of energy to like dislike people and have all these narratives about people and it's easier for me to just be like okay like we're on our own paths we don't have to be friends but I don't want to have this like negative feeling all the time when I'm walking around my hometown worried to bump into people you know judging people and probably them judging me I'd rather just like start fresh and experience it kind of in a new way and that for me represents experiencing something in a new way is experiencing the people in a new way to round out this episode i'm going to read through some of the submissions it was kind of a mix i would say predominantly reflecting a lot of the themes that we've discussed in this episode but i want to share some of the submissions that you can kind of hear 
some different perspectives. So this person said, I had to temporarily move back to my hometown recently so that I could get better access to mental health treatment. Doing so was the best decision I could have ever made for myself, even though I was so apprehensive, since moving back meant also having to live with family again. The thought of living in that space again as my current self terrified me. I found that I associated my old self with that environment and tried to avoid it because I no longer identified with that version of myself. Before I did it, I thought I would actually somehow be reverting back to my old self, but really it allowed me to see the environment that I grew up in in a whole different way. I could visualize my growth from when I laughed, excuse me, I could visualize my growth from when I last lived there. Sure, at times it felt uncomfortable, but that feeling is so important in order to grow. That's a really interesting way of looking at it. And first of all, let me just say I'm so glad that you've had a positive experience. It's interesting because a lot of the, I kind of mentioned this briefly, but a lot of the people saying about moving back are saying they did it at a period, let's say, where their health was kind of not the best or you know I know my sister moved back recently because of a breakup and just craving that comfort even what I'm going through a big life transition and needing to come back for a period of time just to have that sense of safety and a bit of support as we navigate those times and I know that doesn't always go amazingly But it's nice to hear that, you know, this was a growing point for you. And I like the way you framed it in terms of like almost having a benchmark of, okay, I've gone away for a bit. I can look at those former versions of myself and, you know, my old self and be judgmental. Or I can appreciate and be grateful for all of the growth and interacting with those old belief systems, those old narratives. It's kind of like when I read an old journal of mine and I'm like, wow, I have evolved a lot and I'm very grateful for that. I feel like it's sort of similar to be exposed to those memories and that version of you doesn't have to be this experience where we're really harsh and judgmental and feel ashamed of those iterations of what has led to where we are now. This one is kind of interesting because it's something that I didn't really discuss in this episode, but this person said, even just visiting my hometown, I feel the need to show this elevated, better version of myself, and I'm so scared of ever having to move back home because I have a fear of being perceived as a failure. The way I see it, I think there are a couple of different ways of interpreting this response. Number one is you perceive or you associate moving back home with failure or like a step in the wrong direction and I know that that is the case for me I definitely had undertones of this and that was even reflected in like conversations I would have with other people and some of the reactions we got when we told people we were moving home I feel like a lot of them were positive but some of them were kind of like confused and it just makes me think that like maybe in some of our minds the ultimate version of success is being able to live independently and you know move away and maybe for some reason it represents a step in the wrong direction or a step backwards to go back where we grew up but I think that that is actually interesting to consider and worth examining whether we actually believe that to be true because I think it's kind of like a false narrative that that is a step backwards or a step in the wrong direction it's just a different decision 
And it's no better or worse than deciding to live independently, for example, in my opinion. The other possible way of looking at this response, which I feel like is more what you meant, is that you are very anxious about the image, maybe not anxious, but you care a lot about the image that other people that you grew up around in your hometown have about you. I know that that is the case for me. I don't know why, because if I'm being like, truthful with myself it doesn't actually matter but for some reason these people hold like a very strong part in my psyche and sometimes it's actually like very few people it's like one or two people that I'm worried about judging me from you know high school or elementary school and again going back to like why do these people still hold power over us I just remember for whatever reason this exercise was really helpful for me when I was really worried about people from my hometown judging me for my life decisions, etc. Is someone recommended to me that I just write down a list of the actual people who I am afraid will judge me and recognizing that the list is a lot shorter than I actually think? Considering what these people represent to me, like why am I worried about these people? Are they actually important figures in my life? Do I care about their opinion? The answer was no. These are like random irrelevant people from high school that are like the voice of judgment in my head and who I fear every time I do something out of the norm or I put myself out there are going to like judge me. So I write down that list. I realize it's like three people. I ask myself, do I care? And then I recognize like they don't hold that much power over me and if people really are thinking about me, if those people actually are judging me, which they probably don't even care, it's like a passing thought that will probably never actually affect me and I don't know, exercises like this really help me to kind of weed out this like deep feeling that everyone is judging me and just be honest like what are you actually afraid of, who are you afraid is going to judge you, be specific And then ask yourself whether you're going to let those people have that agency over your life decisions. So I think for this episode, we'll leave it at that for today. I really enjoyed this conversation. I feel like it's a really interesting reflection in my life right now. And it's made me think about things in a very different way. And I hope that you enjoyed this. I'd love to hear your thoughts. As always, you can submit feedback or a question or a comment or a theme for future episodes in the submission link in every episode's show notes or you can send me a dm or you can use the spotify q a feature a lot of options there to kind of share your thoughts but yeah that's it for today hope you enjoyed and i'll talk to you next week